In these verses, Lord Krishna, now summing up the chapter, continues to describe the sannyasi. Sannyasi means Vidvat sannyasi, one who is sannyasi by virtue of the knowledge, one who abides in this knowledge, and what are his characteristics is antasukha. One of sukha, happiness, fulfillment is in oneself. Which means for being happy or for being fulfilled, one does not need anything other than oneself. <coughs> that shows his total freedom. That doesn't mean that he is indifferent to others. The idea is not that he is indifferent to others, averse to others. He is happy with himself. The idea is that he has discovered himself to be happiness. He is content with himself. He is totally accepting of himself. He is totally satisfied with himself. The point is, when I am satisfied with myself, there is no difficulty in my being satisfied with others, and therefore he is satisfied with everything. Antasukha. Who knows whose happiness comes from within? Everybody's happiness comes from within, but ordinarily a person believes that happiness comes from without, because usually happiness is blocked. And when all the blocks around the happiness have been removed, then the happiness is naturally uh, emerging you know, as its own, as, as something that is without any effort, effortlessly emerging. This is called antasukha. One, so sukha or happiness comes from within oneself. <coughs> Antararamaha, one who revels with oneself. I revel in the object of my love. I like to revel in that which I love. I like to think about that. It gives me pleasure to think of that which I love, which is usually not myself. Usually, it's not myself, but it is usually someone else or something else. He even revels in himself. Because he finds himself the total object of love. He loves himself. 
You know, sounds very amazing, you know, but then to love oneself is quite unusual, that he loves himself. He's satisfied with himself, he totally accepts himself, he loves himself. Antarjyotarevacha, <clears throat> one who's awake to oneself, the reason is because he's awake to himself. That means in the wakefulness, that ignorance, the, the veil of ignorance has gone away. Yes, sakshat kurute prabodhasame svatmanam evadvayam. We read in the first verse of Dakshinamurti. How when one wakes up from the dream, so in the dream one imagines a whole world and thinks that the world is different from him. Even though the dream world is within the dreamer himself, for the simple reason that the dream world also is projected from his own self. And when he wakes up, he is also folded into himself. But while in dream, he thinks that the whole world is outside of himself. As though the whole world is outside of himself, different from himself. Which means that in the dream, not knowing the nature of dream, he suffers from a sense of duality, suffers from a sense of division. Yes, sakshat kurde prabodasamaye. When he wakes up from the dream, then he realizes that the whole dream was nothing but myself. I was the self of the dream. Similarly also when the wise person wakes up and realizes that I am everything. So when he loves himself, he loves everything also. It is not that normally my love for something is at the exclusion of love for something else. That's I also love. But when I love something, generally it is at the cost of something else. That is at the exclusion of something else. That is what we call attachment. What it is nothing but love. But when is love called attachment? When love is conditioned, confined, when it is qualified that I love because of certain reasons. And when those reasons or conditions are not satisfied, well, my love also is not there. So it's a conditional love. This one's love is... Un- so all conditions are also due to ignorance only. Any conditions are there in my happiness, in my love, all of them are igno- due to ignorance. And so all this conditioning gets removed. All these notions and conclusions get removed and therefore his love also becomes unconditional. He loves himself unconditionally and therefore he loves everything unconditionally. Because he's awake to himself and therefore he's awake to everything. So that the, the pratijna, the proposition of Upanishad is kasmindu bhagava vijnade saravidam vijnadam bhavadidi O revered sir, what is it knowing which everything becomes known? That's the self. Knowing myself, everything becomes known. <clears throat> Sayogi, he is a yogi, he is a wise person, Brahma Nirvana, Brahma Bhutaha, he has become identified with Brahman. That means that he will own up now his true nature of Brahman. So far he was disowning himself. Ignorance makes me disown myself. Like the tenth man disowns himself, denies that he is tenth man and therefore is looking for the tenth man. So life is nothing but disowning. He owns of himself. That, that I am Brahma, Brahma Bhutaha. Brahma Nirvanam Adhikachati, he attains, Brahma Nirvanam, he attains Moksha, freedom which is Brahman. Brahman itself is Nirvanam. Nirvanam is freedom from all suffering, that is called Nirvanam. Brahma Nirvanam, so knowledge of Brahman means freedom from all suffering. But you say Moksha is not merely freedom from suffering, but it is attainment of fullness. And fullness also is not something that is attained, fullness is nature. Again, it is obstructed by the so-called suffering. So when that obstruction is removed, that fullness is evident. Brahma Nirvanam Adhigachyati. He attains Brahma Nirvanam, meaning Brahman, which is Nirvanam or Moksha. Labhante Brahma Nirvanam 
Rushayah, Kshina Kalmashaha. Again, Lord Krishna describes some of the other characteristics of the wise person so that a seeker can, can also cultivate them. As I said, Kshina Kalmashaha. So those seekers are those whose Kalmasha, whose impurities have been removed, have been attenuated by deliberately performing actions which are virtuous actions. By performing actions with the spirit of yoga, by performing actions with the spirit of offering. So wherever selfishness comes, we will call it an action that is binding action, and wherever there is an action that is performed selflessly, or to the extent that there is selflessness in my action, to that extent it is a releasing action, to the extent that there is selfishness in my action, to that extent it is a binding action. So processes to make our actions as free from selfishness as we can, it will no never be totally free from selfishness until I become totally satisfied with myself. And so, however, we deliberately undertake a process of performing actions with an attitude of selflessness as much as we can within our limits because there are a lot of insecurities. Self, selflessness always causes a lot of problems, Swamiji. Uh, how can you perform action without motivation, without result and so forth? All of this selfishness is only talking. Insecurity is talking. How can I perform an action without reward? So I am in need. So if I am in need of reward, that's fine. But slowly I, I, I deal with that. Am I always going to be a needy person? Do I have to really justify that need? Is it a re- justifiable need for reward? All the time I am begging reward and reward and reward. Can I? Be? That is bondage. That I, I can perform action only when there is a reward. I cannot perform an action otherwise. That's a bondage. So can I become free from that? Can I perform an action without any any personal reward? And if I can, as I said, if it doesn't hurt me, if it hurts me to do that, then of course I don't do that. But then if it doesn't, when, when Viveka comes and perhaps I will not be hurt, when I recognize that seeking reward perpetuates always, that begging reward perpetuates begging. Rewards keep on coming, but the begging never goes. So rather than being a beggar, let me become a giver. This is the whole idea. Whatever Lord has given me, can I give you? Can I offer? <coughs> that's how kalmasha, that's how impurity in the form of selfishness, impurity which always makes me demand and beg, I become free. That is bondage. I slowly become free from that by deliberately entertaining a spirit which is opposed to that, which is a spirit of giving. Rushayaha, that's how a person becomes a rushi. Therefore, performing action with the spirit of yoga all the time requires deliberation. What is meant by yoga? What is meant by the spirit of worship? What is meant by the spirit of offering? Every time I have to dwell upon that. Every action poses a challenge to me. How am I going to perform this action? So it requires me to learn. And that is how I become a person who is all the time thinking and contemplating. Rushaya, he becomes a contemplative person. And of course he goes to the teacher and he studies scriptures, pursues the study, Chinnadvedaha. As a result, whatever ignorance and doubts are there, they get removed. Yatatmanaha. As his doubts and insecurities get removed, he finds himself more and more composed. Yatatmanaha. He finds himself a master of himself. Sarabhuta Hiterataha becomes Ahimsakaha. Sarabhuta Hiterataha. Shankaraja explains that. Sarvesham bhutanam hite anukulyarata. Those people who are disposed for the favor or for the well-being of all beings, welfare of all the beings, ahimsakaha ityarna. Even if uh, my 
my being disposed towards the welfare of other beings, even if it is not a particular action, ahimsakaha, they are at least non-violent people. Or dayalu, so dayalavaha, the people who are dayalu, meaning people who are compassionate. So compassionate, non-violent, and always wishing the well of others. All of these Lord Krishna presents as a means of wisdom. That means when we have this attitude, then we get wisdom of life. To understand life and get wisdom of life, it requires a certain way of looking at life. And therefore, while giving us this kind of instructions, Lord Krishna in a way is telling us how to look at the life, to learn from life. If I look at myself as a beggar, I can never learn from that. If I look at the world as merely a, a field of exploitation or field of pleasure, I can never learn from that. So Lord Krishna says, look at the world, object, not the object of pleasure, look at it as an object of worship. But how can I get happiness? There is not only one way of getting happiness, it's not that I can get happiness only when it gives me gratification level of senses, but when I look at this as an object of worship, a different kind of happiness I get. What we call sattvic happiness. Worship also gives me happiness, gives me an opportunity to do something. And so, happiness that comes by doing something, rather than by taking something. So this is how the whole attitude is to be transformed. And that is an attitude of learning attitude. That's why I call Rushaya, the people who are able, who cultivate the ability to, to learn about subtle, subtle aspects of life. They talk of the universal laws, so many things are there in the universe to learn, provided my mind is open to that. And mind becomes open to the universe to the extent that it becomes close to the selfishness, that's all. And so, this is how they become Lavante Brahma Nirvanam. So this is a process of self-purification, of, of, of uh, slowly and slowly cultivating a mind which is a learning mind, which learns from the life, it gains the wisdom of the life, and then gains the wisdom of the self. So ultimately, the person becomes a wise person. So Lord Krishna recommends a learning life. Buddhau sharnaman vichya. Krupanaha phalahetaha. In the second chapter Lord Krishna says, Buddhau sharnaman vichya. Hejuna may you resort to buddhi, may you resort to knowledge in your life. That means perform the action as a means of knowledge. Krupanaha phalahetaha. Those who perform their actions merely for the reward. Krupanaha. They do not know the value of the action. No doubt action will bring the reward, no doubt about that, but if that is the only purpose for which I perform the action, then I am, mis- I am, I am not utilizing the action in its full potential, because action can bring much more than that. Action can become a means of moksha. So rather than making the action a means of moksha, I merely make it a means of some personal reward, krupanaha. Those people are miser. Idea is that they do not use the wealth of the action in a, in a proper way. In short, that human being has the privilege to perform action. That is a free will. That is a choice. That, and therefore, I can perform a deliberate action. That's a great gift. And Lord Krishna wants to utilize that gift as a, as a vehicle for one's growth. And that, it's your privilege to perform a deliberate action. Action is not merely doing something by hands and legs. That all creatures do. What is called action is whether it's kartrutva, whether it's the doership behind that which is fine. Ultimately we have to grow out, we have to become free from doership. But through doership we become free from doership. Through utilizing doership properly, that we become free from doership. 
So we say that in order to become free from anything, first of all it must be converted into sattva. Doesn't matter, I'm a doer, I'm a performer, I'm an agent of action. That's okay. I, I accept that reality as it obtains right now. But instead of making it tamas, a tamasik karta, or rajata, tamas karta, or rajasa karta, I make it a sattvic karta, a sattvic doer. A doer who is tamogoni, the fellow keeps on demanding things without doing anything. There are people who say that I will do something only if I get something. Then somebody says I will not, I want to get but I don't want to do anything. So there are people who want the reward without doing anything, tamas. There are people who want to re- want reward, they will do something only when they get reward, rajas. And there are people who will do something whether they get reward or not, that is sattva. In short, the doing is important than the reward. <coughs> so, that kind of a doer, that's what Shankaraja explained. So, Swamyatham Bhruttyaheva, like a servant. How the servant serves a master? And whatever servant does is for the satisfaction of the master. That's the element, that servant gets a salary, that's a different matter. But then, when he, when he does something, what, the, what is it that makes, what's the purpose of doing is, that is, it satisfies the master. And similarly also, the Lord is the master, and whatever I do is for his satisfaction. Of course, what is meant by satisfaction of Lord is nothing but performing an action in keeping with the, the scheme of the Lord, which is what we call the values, non-violence, truthfulness, these values. <coughs> so, thus Lord Krishna presents a whole scheme of self-growth, of, for which karma or action becomes a very important means. Because action brings up a lot of things inside. There are things stuffed inside. They remain inside, usually they may not have a chance to come up. Only when I am required to do something, then these things come up. Why should I do that? What am I going to get from it? And these questions arise whenever I have to do something. And that's an opportunity for me to learn something about myself. And to resolve those things. Why do I want things? Why, why, why am I begging? Why can't I give? I ask myself, what's the reason why there is this whole habit? Why has it become a habit of all the time asking and begging? So action brings up things. Like some something happens, you know, some experience happens and triggers a lot of things inside, you know. Somebody told me something and it brought up a lot of things inside for two days. So they were all there. It needed somebody to push the button. The action becomes a button. Action means whenever I have to do something, when I have to exert something, it becomes a button to always bring up my selfishness from within. Thus I become, that gives an opportunity to know something about myself and deal with it and resolve, resolve it and change it. If that doesn't happen, then merely keep performing action, doesn't become karma yoga. Action becomes yoga only when it generates knowledge. It generates understanding and therefore action is performed out of understanding and the result will give you further understanding. So as I said, when I have to perform an action, my mind asks this question, uh, what am I going to get, etc. And then whatever selfishness is there, comes to surface. And I learn about it, and I deal with it. And when I get the result, again, that selfish mind will react, I am not satisfied with the result, or I am elated with the result. That also shows that there was some expectation while performing action. Sometimes you don't even know. I think that I am performing action without expectation. It's only when the result comes that I realize that I'm disappointed. 
If I'm disappointed, that means an appointment was there. So I can't be disappointed. So results tell us a lot. How I respond, how I greet the situations, how I greet the rewards, the results, that tells a lot about me. So Lord Krishna wants that, let that be an opportunity to learn and change. That's all. Not learn as well as change. Let every action, yes, a little change. Every, every response to the result, a little change. That's how life becomes life of learning and growing. That becomes yoga. That's called yoga. <coughs> when action becomes a means of that, it's called karma yoga. When understanding becomes a means of that, it's called jnana yoga. But yoga means the life of growth. Continuing the description with the 20, verse 26, that's the last verse actually of the sannyasa yoga, which is this chapter. Kāma-krodha-viyuktānāṁ Kāma-krodha-viyuktānāṁ Yatīnāṁ yata-cetasāṁ Yatīnāṁ yata-cetasāṁ Abhito brahma-nirvānam Abhito brahma-nirvānam Vartate vidita-atmanāṁ Vartate vidita-atmanāṁ Again, describing the sannyāsi. Kāma krodha vyuktanam. This is a wise man. How is he? Kāma krodha vyuktanam. Those are free from desire and anger. Earlier we were told in the twenty-third verse, Shatmati hevasoham kāma krodha vyuktanam. One who is able to keep under check the force of lust and anger. So seeker is the one who keeps that force under check. In course of time, for the wise man, even the kama krodha does not remain. Kama krodha vyuktanam. Those whose heart is devoid of anger and lust and anger. Of course, anger is there because krodha is there because kama is there. Krodha or anger cannot be there unless kama, the desire or craving is there. But having discovered a satisfaction with one's own self, there is no craving now. The craving shows only, or any desire shows an inner void, an inner, inner inadequacy. So when his heart is full, as we said, as earlier said, discovered himself as a very happiness. You anya antasukha, one whose sukha or happiness comes from within himself. There is no need for craving. That's the, all the craving has gone away. In the wake of discovery that I am a complete, I am fine, I am fine or I am full, complete as I am, in the wake of the discovery, one whose needs have gone away. So when Lord Krishna says, wise people are those who are free from desires, we would say that they are those who are free from needs. Free from demands, let us say. They become free from demands. A totally non-demanding people. Even a mumukshu seeker also is a non-demanding person. But in a relative sense. And that non-demanding attitude culminates into a non-demanding person because Atma is non-demanding because who is non-demanding? One who doesn't, one who has got everything. That means one who is complete with oneself. Therefore, there is no karma, there is no demand, has become free from demand. In short, demand is, is a, uh, is a sign or is a, is a linger, is only an indication of, of bondage, dependence, inadequacy. And having become free from that, become non-demanding. And only when there is a demand, that there is, a, there is an occasion for anger. If there is no demand, no anger. So, kāma krodha vyuktānāṁ. 
even the utpatti, it doesn't arise. In case of a seeker, they arise and he resolves them. Here, they just don't arise. Yati nam, yata chetasam. Yati, yati means an ascetic. Where it means a sannyasi, a renunciate. By renunciate we mean that one is who is free from all attachment. Yati nam. As we've been saying again and again, whether one is renunciated by a way of life, whether renunciation is taken up as a way of life or not is okay, it depends on the culture. So whenever renunciation or sannyasa is described as a way of life, it is in keeping with the Indian culture. And the Indian social structure and, and whatever it is, you know, that it, perhaps sannyasa in that form may not be applicable to other cultures because they are not set up that way. Indian society was set up that way. That, as we said, uh, people thought it to be their privilege to be able to support a person like that. And therefore, this person got the support. Not only that, but life in India also was very simple. The, the whole environment, weather, etc., being what it is, one can live in a simple way. One, every, everywhere there are certain minimum requirements, but the requirements in a country like India are really minimum. All you need is simple, you know, even you don't need upper class. There, there are many people who just, for one time this lower class is enough because uh, it is warm, very hot. You can sleep under a tree, that's all possible there. Nobody can sleep under a tree here. Or you can sleep in a temple and stuff. All this is possible. And he wears a tantha. He wears a, a blanket which is made of uh, the rags which are picked up from the street and are sewn together. He, he is nivasa. He dwells in, under a tree, in a temple. Either in a temple or under a tree. Shaya Bhutalam, he sleeps on the earth, on the soil. Ajinam Vasaha, wears some kind of a cloth, can be even animal skin, whatever is available. This kind of thing are possible everywhere. And, and therefore, sannyasa, it is that way they are fortunate to have, to be able to live a life like that, recluse. And here also people live a life of recluse, not that they don't. But as I said, that society is a particular value for supporting people like that. I am sure every society has that value. And still, therefore, this idea of going and begging food was accepted. It was a very dignified way of, of begging, that's all, it's called bhiksha. So when a Swami goes, it's called bhiksha. Nothing but a dignified way of begging. But all that was possible. So yet, therefore here Lord Krishna is over yati. Yati means renunciate. Renunciate even in lifestyle. But let us say that one should be renunciate at least in spirit. That is definitely required. And renunciation is unattachment. Becoming free from attachment, meaning becoming free from dependence. I'm not attached to something means that I'm not demanding. So, unattachment is non-demanding. Accepting everything. Giving freedom to others and enjoying freedom oneself. This is spirit of renunciation. And yata chedasam. That's the reason why yata chedasam, those whose minds are under their control, a demanding mind can never be under my control. It is in control of the object of demand. Understand? When I have a requirement from others, sometimes people in the home, this happens, you know, 
that this, this father was insistent that all children should get up at six o'clock in the morning. Every morning there will be fight. He insists that he should, they should all get out of the bed at six o'clock and then those people would resist and then he would get angry. That means he is controlled. The fact that he demands something out of them means he is controlled. They decide whether he will be able to enjoy peace of mind or not. If they oblige him, then he is okay. If they don't oblige him, he is upset. So demanding person can never enjoy peace of mind. Or the extent that our mind is demanding, to the extent it is going to be subject to, uh, subject to being hurt, subject to uh, being upset, subject to being angry. So here Yatina, because a non-demanding person, unattached person, not asking anything, but giving person, is not an indifferent person. When we say that a renunciate is the one who is a non-demanding person, doesn't mean that an indifferent person, a non-demanding person and therefore a giving person. And nobody will resist that. People will have problem when we demand, there is no problem when you are giving. And therefore there are no stresses. Yata chetasam, those who have control over mind, their minds, because the mind is free from stress. Yata chetasam. For them, and then, anipavidita-atmanam, those who have known their self. So, vidita-atma, yehi te vidita-atmanaha, those by whom the atma, the self is known. So, not only, so other things are fine, but then it is important that merely I have a mind where there is no anger, etc. is okay, it's fine, but that's not enough. All of that should culminate into Vidita-atmanam, into knowing one's own self. <coughs> Samyak darshinam, those who, have, who know the self and know everything properly. What happens to them? Brahma-nirvanam vartate, they are liberated. But is it not that the liberation will come after death? It says, says Lord Krishna, abhitaha, ubhayataha, here as well as hereafter. They are liberated while living. They are liberated here itself and of course they will be liberated while, I mean after that. Because liberation is liberation. It's not dependent upon the body. It's not that body is an obstacle to liberation. If it was, of course, then I can't be liberated when I'm alive. But body is not an obstacle to liberation. Body is a means of liberation. And after knowledge of freedom, it doesn't become an obstacle. Therefore, for the wise man, it doesn't matter that body is there. Then he doesn't remain an individual, really speaking. It's not that he becomes liberated, is it? As I say, Atma is always liberated. It's never bound. It is taken to be bound. And liberation means just that this notion of bondage goes away. That's all. And therefore, he is free. He is total. He is whole. He is non-dual, even when he is here. And he is always here. What is here and hereafter? Again, that here and hereafter are with reference to the body. Therefore, there is a term called Jivan Muktaha, is liberated while alive. Alright. And Videha Muktaha, liberation after their death. These terms are used and we are qualifying the liberation. Liberation need not be qualified. But it is true that one may be liberated after death only when one is liberated while alive. That's for sure. It cannot be that the liberation will be a phenomenon that will take place because the death happens. <coughs> Abhitaha Brahma Nirvanam Vartate. And so in these beautiful verses, Lord Krishna described the sannyasis, the wise people. 
And while describing their traits, also describe for us what should be the values. What is a natural trait for a wise person becomes values for the seekers. Now the last three verses don't, well, they're, they're sort of, they, they're not the topic of fifth chapter, they are the topic of sixth chapter. So often this style also is, is employed, that you tell in brief what, you are, what is going to be said later on in detail. So Lord Krishna feels it necessary that another sadhanam, what you call antaranga sadhanam, and inner sadhanam, and inner means also must be described. So there are two kinds of spiritual practices. One is called bahiranga sadhanam, a spiritual practice that involves outer activity. Antaranga sadhanam, a spiritual practice that involves only inner activity. So Lord Krishna is described in these chapters what we call karma yoga, meaning performance of action as, as an offering to the Lord as worship. This is called bahiranga sadhanam, meaning the sadhanam or the means which involves the, the outer activity. Now Lord Krishna feels that that must be accompanied by also what he calls dhyanam or meditation which we call antaranga sadhanam. And a sadhana what it means that is inner internal, an external means and an internal means. And so Lord Krishna said that karma yoga is the first step and a very essential step in the path of moksha. And therefore, Lord Krishna says that, Hey Arjuna, rather than taking the risk of becoming a renunciate, I suggest that you better remain in Karma Yoga and renunciation will follow. Ekam samyak phalam. If you are devoted to any one of them, then you will get the result of both. That means that if you are devoted to a life of Karma Yoga, then moksha will come in due course, sannyasa will come in due course. And pursuit of knowledge will come and then everything will come in due course. And of course, if you even now also possess the spirit of a renunciate, fine, be devoted to life. But be devoted to that. Be true to what you are doing. But if you become a renunciate, but then internally you are not, you don't have that maturity, then you live the life of a renunciate outwardly and not true to that, then that doesn't help you. So rather than doing that, rather than taking risk of becoming a renunciate, and then having a, a split person, or having what we call a split, that outwardly I am required to live in a certain way, and inwardly my mind is not, you know, compatible to that. That means my thought is not compatible to my, my lifestyle. Rather than that, have a compatible, have the, let there be harmony in what you think and what you do. And when you attain sufficient maturity, fine, become the renunciate. Go to the teacher, pursue the knowledge, let it become your full-time pursuit. Thus you gain knowledge and gain abide and then do the refinement afterwards. In Karma Yoga the big things are removed, big chunks are removed of likes and dislikes. The refinement is done. With sannyasa, refinement is done in this way, Viveka, Vairaga, etc. which is done by vichara, which is done in the level of thinking, inquiry, reflection. And so do that refinement, pursue the knowledge, gain the knowledge, gain an abidance, all that will happen. And all of this Lord Krishna said number of times and will continue to say a number of times in the Bhagavad Gita. Here now Lord Krishna wants to elaborately talk about what we call dhyanam or the meditation. That is meditation upon the self. In the context of Bhagavad Gita it is 
meditate here in the context of sixth chapter or the context of first uh, section of Bhagavad Gita which deals with the self, it is meditation upon the self. In the context of the next six chapters where Lord Krishna talks about God, it is meditation upon God. But here in the context of the first six chapters where the self of the Atma is the primary subject matter, it is meditation upon the self and Lord Krishna thinks that it is necessary to do. In, in the sixth chapter, Lord Krishna will say, Yogi Yunjita Satadam Atmanam Rahasisthitaha Ekaki Yata Chitta Atma Nishashira Parigraha Yogi Yunjita Satadam Atmanam The yogi should all the time place, dwell upon the self, dwell upon the self with his mind. That means the yogi should all the time try to focus his mind upon the self. And for that he may seek, the, seek out the conditions that are appropriate. Rahasisthita, living in a, in, a, in, a, in solitude. Ekaki, living by himself. Nirashihi, free from all desires. Aparigraha, free from all possessions. A typical life of a recluse, going to forest and live in a log cabin or something like that, here. And Atmanam, Yunjita, let him, let him focus his mind upon the self. <coughs> this is what is going to be said, elaborated in the sixth chapter. And in the last three chapters, last three verses rather, even next two verses of this fifth chapter, Lord Krishna briefly wants to talk about that, briefly talk about what you call Dhyana Yoga or meditation. <coughs> so Dhyana Yogam or the meditation, or concentration of the mind upon the self also is presented here as a necessary practice for abidance in knowledge. For gaining an abidance in knowledge, samadhanam, we say samadhanam, the sixth one. Chitta ekagrata, chitta naishchalyam. So we require both chitta shuddhi and chitta naishchalyam. We require both the purification of the heart as well as chitta-naishalyam, a single-pointedness of the mind. We wish that our mind be pure, that is free from this attachment, aversion, likes and dislikes. At the same time, that the mind have the ability to concentrate. So that also is a problem. It is not that the mind is, uh, is, is, is uh, restless or mind is just wandering because there are impurities in the mind. Sometimes this wandering has become habit of the mind. I may not have attachment and aversion. Even then the mind just wanders. So wandering seems to have become a habit of the mind. And so far we allow the mind to wander the way it wants also. That being the case, it becomes necessary to check this practice of wandering and cultivate the ability for the mind to concentrate. And for that, the practice of meditation. <coughs> and so in the next two verses, Lord Krishna gives outline some very in a very very in a short a very brief way some basic things required for meditation. Says so in the next two verses, twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Prana pana samakritva, prana pana samakritva, nasa bhintar charino, 
नाभ्यंतरचारिण यतेन्द्रियमनो बुद्धि यतेन्द्रियमनो बुद्धि मुनिर्मोक्षपरायण मुनिर्मोक्षपरायण विगतेच्छा भयक्रोध विगतेच्छा भयक्रोध यदा मुक्त सह यदा मुक्त सह See the last words. Yaha sada mukta evasaha. The one who is like this is always free. Like what? So now, talking specifically about what one does on the seat of meditation. Sparshan krutva bahir bahyan. We must have listened to Swami repeating this expression very often. Bahyan, sparshan, bahir krutva. Shutting out the external objects. Leaving the external objects out there. So letting the external objects remain external. What do you mean letting remain external objects remain external? Let them remain where they are. Well, nobody brings external objects inside, but we do by dwelling upon them. So by dwelling upon the external objects, I bring them inside. Not merely by dwelling upon, because of a certain relationship that I have with them, that is why they, that's why I internalize them. So this internalization of things, why does it happen again? Because of Raga and Dvesha. Because of everything. Raga Dvesha, as we say, all the problems are reduced to this Raga Dvesha. Because of jealousy, because of competition, because of hurt, because of guilt, because of attachment, because of resentment, lot of things. But all of these, are reduced to Raga and Dvesha. So Raga Dvesha include all of this. Swami, I have no Raga Dvesha but I have resentment. Well, that's part of Dvesha. I have no Raga Dvesha but I have jealousy. There is also Dvesha. So all of this, there are different Dvesha in different forms. I, I don't have any, I don't have any attach, attachment or aversion but I compete with him. That is compete with everything. I'll show in some way or the other, attachment some place, which brings our aversion someplace. <coughs> it is this tendon, this kind of in, 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 in disposition of mind that internalizes things. When I resent somebody, I'm going to think about that. When I compete with somebody, I'll think about that. When I'm an aversion with somebody, I'll think about them. When I'm attached to somebody, I'll think about them. When my happiness is dependent on somebody, I'll think about them. When I depend on something for my security, I'll think about them. And that is how, on account of having attachments and aversions, etc., for the, the objects and people of the world, that's the reason why they come in. Particularly why Lord Krishna says is because when I sit for meditation, all things come up, you know. Usually I don't give them a chance to come up. I keep my mind so busy that things have no chance to come up. I just keep them inside. When I sit for meditation, and now those things know that Swami is available. When I'm available, until I'm not available. I just keep myself busy with something or the other. Now they find their chance. And then they tell whatever they are. Everything comes up at that time. Which is good. Which is also good because that's when we learn. There's no need to run away from that. I become restless. I become just so Swamiji. That's a miserable experience. All these things come up inside and so all this stuff of anger and all these, all these stored of feelings are there. Listen, man, let them come out.
prostrate and when I become, I try to become quiet, all the first thing is that I adopt an attitude of just a disinterested, indifferent witness to the thoughts. And if they come and go away, and if that is how the mind gets released, fine, of its emotions, okay. If it doesn't get released, it keeps thinking and thinking and doesn't give up, then I have to do something about it. And so, do something about it. As I said, Raga and Dvesha, they are the reason. And so, there are different methods of doing it. One method is, uh, a good method is that there is an order in the whole universe. And whatever it is, is in keeping with the order. Oh, but why didn't that person do this to me? It is in keeping with the order. Why did not do that? Also in keeping with the order. What do you mean by order? That everything is fine. That order also is not a mechanical order. It's a benevolent order. When you talk of order, sometimes it becomes mechanical. This, you know, that I did something, so I got the result. It's not like that. It's not merely, yes, that is there. That is a just, justice also involved there. But justice is done in such a way that it is always to the best of my interest. In the best of my interest, that is how justice is done. So there is an order and a benevolent, just order, a benevolent order. And so, I did not get it. Fine, thank God I did not get it. I got something, thank God I got it. Somebody insulted me, thank God, it must be required for me to grow. Somebody did not do this to me, it must be required for me to grow. And therefore, a, a, a seeker is the one who will utilize every opportunity to grow. They said that an intelligent person is one. When people throw stones at him, he builds the compound wall with those very stones, you know. And similarly also, a, a seeker is the one who uses every opportunity, every opportunity to learn. It's not that he insulted me, it is because I felt insulted. I give opportunity for, to, to the world to, to trouble me or to harass me or to make me unhappy, otherwise they can't do that. It's not they did not insult me, I, I interpreted that behavior as an insult. That's my problem, not their problem. But Swami, how can they talk like that? That's their difficulty. Why, how they should, they should talk is their problem. How I should, how I should receive it is something that I have to decide. As Gautam Buddha's famous story with his disciple, when his disciple came and complained as to how people are mistreating him, says to his disciple, okay, uh, Ananda is a standard disciple, you know, Ananda, here is my commander, take it. No, sir, I do not want your commander, it's your commander, I can't take it. All at Ananda, this commander, that means this water pot. Now, who does it belong to? Sir, it belongs to you. How come it belongs to me? How come it doesn't belong to you? Because I did not take it. Alright? And when somebody tells you something, who does it belong to? When does it belong to you? When you take it. If you don't take it, doesn't belong to you. It belongs to where it came from. So anyway, give, as Swamiji would say, give the world the freedom to be what they are. Give them the freedom and enjoy the freedom. That is called Sparshan Krutva. That's how I can think, keep outside things outside. By not internalizing them. By accepting, by understanding that everything is in order. <coughs> so, this is not that I can only do it at the time of meditation. It's difficult. I mean, this should become my way of life. What I am trying to achieve at the time of meditation, my life also should be compatible to that. It's not that for half an hour I do that and the rest of the time I keep fighting. It's not possible that my mind which is fighting all the time, at that time will stop fighting. It will not. 
It will do at the time of meditation what it normally does and therefore this also should become a way of life. Give, give them freedom is bless them. But Swamiji told me this, bless him. May God bless him. If I cannot bless him, let God bless him. May Sarvai Bhavanta Sukhina. Let there be blessings all the time. Sarva Bhuta Hitayarata. As Lord Krishna said, those who are devoted to, or those, you know, uh, or think of the well-being of welfare of all beings. <coughs> so this is an attitude that we have to develop, which attitude is based on reality of life. It is not just a make-believe attitude. There is an order. And that, in fact, Atma is not subject to pleasure and pain or honor and dishonor. That I feel honored or dishonored, both are notions on my part. And therefore, honor also I leave there, dishonor also. I, I, I transmit everything to where it belongs. They say, honor, thank you God. Dishonor, thank you. Take it. That's my archana, you know. Offer that is archana. Sparshan, Kritva, Bahirbahyan, keeping the external objects out where they are. And this is how my mind becomes quiet. Now I want to make it so in order that I can focus my mind upon the self which is extremely subtle. First of all, I withdraw my mind from its preoccupation with the object by giving freedom to the object. Let them be where they are. I'm happy with the way they are. I'm happy with the way everything is. This is, a, that is called giving freedom. <coughs> Becoming non-demanding. Another way of saying, I don't want to even demand that you have to honor me, that you have to respect me, that you have to do this to me, that you have to talk to me in a certain way. No demand at all. Swamiji, what will happen to the world? Nothing will happen. You know? We are all concerned about the world. What if everybody starts doing it? Then there will be heaven. Nothing will remain to be done, you know, anyway. If everybody starts doing it, then there is no problem. Because duty of one becomes the right of the others. And so, Swamiji, everybody becomes sannyasi, what will happen? Why are you worried about that? People are not going to become sannyasi, it's not that easy. And if they become sannyasi, that's fine. But what will happen to the world progress? Don't worry about this, you know. world will have its own order, its own prarabdha. It will take care of itself. I need not worry about the prarabdha of the world. It has come, everybody has come with their own prarabdha, with their own destiny, with their own order. It will happen. Whether I do it or not, as Lord Krishna said, Arjuna, whether you fight or not, there is an order. Everything will happen that is destined to happen. None of the persons in the two armies are going to survive whether you are there or not. So, you know, be clear about that. Don't have this arrogance that I am doing something. Chakshushchevan tare bhruvaho Keeping the eyes between the two eyebrows, directing the eyes between the two eyebrows. I mean, that's one way of concentrating. Or let the attention be concentrated at a spot between the two eyebrows. That's called Agnya Chakra. So, some people find it convenient to do that. So, in order for me to make my mind free from other occupation, then I, I, I focus my mind in a spot between the two eyebrows. This is the standard accepted practice. Prana, Pano, or here Lord Krishna is Chakshuhu. Let your, let your sight be directed there. The idea is that uh, if my sight, that is the pupil, if that becomes... Uh, it, if that becomes steady, then mind also becomes steady. So, making the body steady, all of this is important. It is like, like water in the bucket. If I shake the bucket, the water inside is going to be shaken also. If the body is shaken, then the mind also will be shaken. If the eyes are running here and there, the mind, that affects the mind also. Therefore, the pupils also are fixed. 
So a method is shown here, let the pupils be fixed, let, let them be, you know, they be directed towards a point between the center of the eyebrows, if that is convenient. Or in the sixth chapter, Lord Krishna says, at the tip of the nose, now whatever is the tip, whether the tip is the nose here, or tip of the nose is here, wherever, at the root of the nose. But the idea is that, let the eyes, be, let the pupils become steady. That's a method. For making the mind steady, the Shastra uh, prescribes many methods. What is called upaya or the methods. And this is one of the methods. Pranapano samukritva nasa bhindracharino. So pranapana, prana is outgoing breath, apana incoming breath. When the breath becomes steady, that helps the mind also become steady. So quieten the breath. Let the breath also become steady. Nasa bhindracharino. The, the breath, go, outgoing and incoming breath, which comes out and in through the, the nostril, so let that breath also be made steady or rhythmic. Because if the breath is not rhythmic, the mind also is affected. So body and mind are also connected, eyes and mind are also, sense organs and mind are also connected, the prana and mind are also connected. Therefore, what is being said here is that every level let there be steadiness. That's why Yoga Shastra talk about asana. So that we can make our body steady. You can sit in a steady posture. Pranayama, so that the breath also becomes steady. Pratyahara, so sense organs also become steady. Dharana, so mind also becomes steady. It is making one of the other aspects, one after another aspects of my personality steady. So ultimately the mind will become completely steady. And it should remain steady and for that the practice is. Asana is a practice so that my body will remain steady for a period of time. Pranayama is a practice so that my breath will remain steady for a period of time. So these practices are recommended. Alright, so uh, keeping the movement of the exhalation, inhalation in nostrils, rhythmic, so mind also becomes quiet. Yatayandriyamana would be one who is master, the organs of action, senses, mind and intellect, yata. Indriyamana would be he, one who is indriya, sense organs, man is the mind. Buddha the intellect, all of them are under control. Munihi. So one who has become contemplative. Muni means manmashilaha. Thus, with all of this, still is a contemplative person. He is not going to sleep, he is a wearful person. Now he is awareful. What is that he wants to accomplish? Moksha, become moksha parayana. So one for whom moksha is the ultimate end at that time. I don't need anything. Nirashehi. Then this meditation is performed not for achieving something. This meditation is purely a means of moksha or liberation. I don't want anything else through this. Therefore the mind becomes free from every desire. Munihi is contemplative. One, moksha parayana. For whom the moksha, the liberation is the only goal. Therefore, vegate icha Therefore it becomes free from icha. No icha, no desire. Desire for moksha, but no desire for anything. And desire can bring about fear when the desire, when the desire can bring about anger if the desire is not fulfilled. And desire can bring about fear because of an apprehension that it may not be fulfilled. Icha, bhaya, krodha, all of these are there when I desire something other than moksha. So Lord Krishna says, munihi moksha parayana, this contemplative person who is, all, who is totally who is totally focused upon moksha, the liberation. Yeah, the one who is like this, 
So one will attain this frame of mind, he is already liberated. That means he has nothing more to do now to becoming liberated. He is to know something, no doubt, but nothing more to do. So doing up to this point. My yoga, karma yoga or dhyana yoga. First karma yoga and then dhyana yoga. So dhyana yoga also involves doing something, doing it up to this point. And then there is some knowing. Then the ultimate step is seeing something or knowing something. So with a mind which is thus free from all disturbance, which is abiding, which is steady, which is free from internal problems such as desire, anger, fear, etc. And thus the mind that is contemplative, with that mind one can appreciate the reality of oneself and of God, of the world. And what is that reality? That's what the last verse tells us. Bhoktaram yajnyatapasam Bhoktaram yajnyatapasam Sarvaloka Maheshwaram Sarvaloka Maheshwaram Surudam Sarvabhutanam Surudam Sarvabhutanam Nyatvamam Shanti Mrachade Nyatvamam Shanti Mrachade Lord Krishna says, the, la- the last uh, quarter says, Nyatva Maam Shanti Mrachadi. Maam Nyatva Shanti Mrachadi. One gains peace, abiding peace, which is what we call liberation. Shanti. Shanti means peace. That is freedom from all disturbance, freedom from all suffering, freedom from all anath. One gains total freedom from all suffering. One gains an abiding peace and which is what we call liberation. How does one gain that? Jnātvāmāṁ, knowing me. Lord Krishna says that abiding peace comes not merely by those practices of concentrating mind, etc. They are all fine. There also one gains peace, but let us understand abiding peace. Because still, some level of, some, the veiling of ignorance still remains. All the vikshepa, so ignorance has these two aspects, one is avarana, other is vikshepa. Avarana is veiling, vikshepa is distraction. So by the process of karma yoga and process of what we call dhyanam that we just discussed, all the vikshepa, all the distractions are now removed and still that final layer of what we call ignorance or avarana remains which is now to be removed. So when the mind becomes free from the vikshepa, from all distractions, then it becomes free to appreciate the, the thing as it is. So Lord Krishna says, knowing me, with that kind of a mind, knowing me, jnātvāma. Who are you? How do we know you? In fact, Lord Krishna says this to Arjuna. That's amazing, isn't it? Lord Krishna is sitting right there. What do you mean knowing you? I know you. And still I am not liberated. Is not interesting? Arjuna can say that I know you. Then how come I am? But Arjuna, you should know me like this. Not the way you know me, but you know me as I am telling you here. Bhoktaram yajnyatapasanam. As a sustainer of rituals and discipline. Not sustainer, but as enjoyer. Bhokta means enjoyer. As an enjoyer, one who enjoys all the austerities, one who enjoys all the fruits of the rituals. Lord Krishna, I am the enjoyer everywhere. So when we do this, uh, you know, Vamanta Mantra Kushpanjali, Sarvagnatvam, Sarveshvaratvam, Sarvantaryamitvam, Sarvabhoktaratvam. Lord, Lord is what? Sarvabhokta. He is the enjoyer of all. 
Sarvantaryamitam because it's indwelling self of all. Understand that here Arjuna, whenever anybody performs a yaga, usually yajna is performed and offerings are made to the devatas, to the gods. So who are those gods? Lord Krishna has understand that I am in the form of all those gods. So I am the recipient of all the oblations. Yajnanam, Bhoktaram. I am the recipient. You may offer it to um, Indraya Namaha, Indraya Swahayan, Varunaya Swahayan, Prajapadaya Swahayan, Adhanaya Swaha. You may offer to different devatas. But I am the one who is the self of all the devatas. Understand me to be self of all the devatas. But tapasam, when I perform tapasarya, when I perform austerity, who is the recipient of the benefit of austerity? I am the recipient, isn't it? Lord Krishna is not you, I am the recipient. Yajna tapasam. Tapas means austerities. You are the austerities also. I am the recipient of the benefit of all the austerities because I am the very self of the person who performs austerities. So austerity is the discipline that I perform. And usually I am the beneficiary of the disciplines that I perform. When I perf- observe fast, when I do some, you know, uh, rituals, when I do these things, then I am the recipient. Lord Krishna says, I am the recipient, I am the enjoyer of the results of all the tapas or austerities. That means that Lord Krishna says, no need to be the self of all the human, all the living beings, including gods. But I am the self, I am the antaryami, I am the self of all. And not only self of all the living beings, in fact, the self of all the beings, sentient and insentient, he is the self of all. Know me to be the self of all. That way you know me. You know me as your chariot, that's fine. You know me as your friend also, is fine. You know me as God also, is fine. But still, God is to be known in this way. I'm sure Arjuna knows that Lord Krishna is not a human being, that is God. But still, this is how God is to be known. Bhuktaram yajnatapasam. So, he is the self of all of them. Sarvaloka Maheshwaram He is Antaryami Antastan Yamayati One who remains inside and controls everything. Sarvaloka Maheshwaram Who is Maheshwaraha? Who is a great lord of Sarvaloka of all the worlds? Who is a great lord of all the worlds? Who is a creator? Who is a sustainer? Who is the form of that very law, the order which, which controls the entire universe? So we know that everything that happens in the world or universe is, is in keeping with that law, with that order. And therefore, the one who controls the whole universe by his order, or one who is of the nature of order, and whom the whole universe is under control. Sarva Loka Maheshwaram, I am the one that is the master, the controller, ordainer of the entire universe. Not some place. Where is it? It's the very self. Suhurgam Sarabhutanam. What kind of order is it? Lord, you control everybody. What do you do with them? Why do you control them? You are the order. So you are the one who gives the karmaphala. So he is the karmadhyaksha, karmaphala dada. So he is the one who presides over all the actions. By his blessing or grace alone actions take place. And he is the one also who is the dispenser of all the results. How do you dispense the results? Are you a just? Are you a judge? That means are you a computer who gives a person what he deserves? Tit for tat, you did this, you get this. Are you like that? See, there is a very, very beautiful thing here. That not only Lord is order, not only He is the one who's, who's, who overlooks all the actions, 
by whose grace the actions take place. Not only that, and not only that, he dispenses of the result, his karma falabhata, the giver of all the results. But the results are given in what spirit? Suhrudam Sarabhutanam. He is a friend of all beings. In fact, what Suhruda is more than a friend. You know, normally there is a king. King also benefits everybody, but the king also expects some reward. So when the king benefits the subject, the subjects are also supposed to, re- to reciprocate. So usually a friend is the one who does favors but always expects a reciprocation of favors. So how long can I do? How long can one person keep on doing and doing and doing? How long? You know? So naturally there is an expectation of some reciprocation, some reward. Only one, one person I cannot say, only one who does it without demanding any kind of reciprocation. Law Krishna says, Sarabhutanam Suhrudam Pratyupakaram Nirapekshataya Upakaranam Upakaranam means one who favors. Pratyupakaram Nirapekshataya One who favors, one who helps. Without expecting any kind of help or any kind of a favor in return. So usually we find people favoring. But then they always expect some favor in return. No Swamiji, I don't expect anything from my children. I don't expect anything from my family. I do that selflessly. But do they ever disappoint you? Sometimes, you know. I mean, see, children did not do this, my husband did not do this, spouse did not do that. That means some expectation was there. It is when we get disappointed, and that means something was there which did not go the way I wanted it. We are all human beings. I don't say that we will be free from that. But Lord is the one who who favors everybody, who is benevolent, without demanding any favor in return. That's how the whole nature, is it not? Lord himself is manifest his nature. In all elements of nature, just serve and give and give. Earth keeps on giving, wind keeps on giving, fire keeps on giving, sun and moon, they keep on giving. They don't demand, sun does not demand that every day I should do Surya Namaskara, then alone the light will come, it will come. The Ganges does not demand that I should pour some milk and offer it and do the mantras and worship that. It will still do whatever it has to do. When we keep on abusing it, then perhaps it is not, perhaps to teach us some lessons so that we, we grow, that maybe it may appear that we are being punished. It's not punishment. They parcel out so-called punishment or the pain, not for punishing us. Even pain also comes not in the spirit of punishing. The pain also comes so that we learn, that we stop abusing. And because when I abuse something, then I am also get abused in turn. And basically, therefore, by violating the order, I am abusing myself. So that I stay away from abusing myself, even pain may come. But that is also given out by Lord in the spirit of only helping me. Pitahamasya jagataha mata dhata pitamaha I am the father of the soul universe. I am the mother. I am the grandfather. I am everything. So suhrudam sarabhutanam and suhrud, the world is explained in different ways. Of course, the, the immediate meaning of suhruda is one who helps everybody, who does things for everybody without expecting any reward. Therefore, we don't even know. So silently and so such in such a non-demanding way that it does it do that, we don't even know that it's doing. To the extent that I can say that I don't accept God, where is God? Even the fact that I am able to speak is because of His grace and then He doesn't 
So if, if, if I was in this place, I would be all right, next time you won't be able to talk. Okay? Say that again. <laughs> you learn your lesson. Not him. Okay, doesn't matter. You want to talk? Talk. You want to dismiss me? Fine. In fact, he provides all the arguments for dismissing himself. Is it not so? That people are able to present arguments uh, proving that there is no God. Uh, that intelligence, he said, I am the very intelligence of the intelligent people. And therefore he doesn't seem to, he doesn't seem to object anything. He does he's not opposed to anything. He smiles at everybody, you know. A fixed smile. So you will prostrate to him, smile. Don't prostrate to him, fine. Look at him in a curious way, smile. Go away, smile. Because I am the self of all, the indwelling self of all. And self is always favorable to all. Maam Jnatva Arjuna, knowing yourself, that self, that the God that I am described, described, is yourself. Know yourself is the self of all. Know yourself is unopposed to everybody. Know yourself is favoring to everybody. That's why we have to become like that. In order to know ourselves like that, that is why Lord Krishna said we should become like that. I should relatively become what I want to know. As Swamiji would say that we cannot gain love through the gateway of, through the, through the corridors of hatred, we can never learn what love is. I can never learn what fullness is or happiness is when I am a sad person. And therefore in order to know the Lord, who is my own self, I should become like that. So Suhrudam, therefore say, it was said, Sarabhuta Hiterata, one who, one who do the favors without expecting the rewards. Jnatvamam, knowing me as such, and knowing me, who is like this, as your own self. It is not enough that I know God to be like that. Still, God is wonderful, He is manual and He is everything. He is perfect. Still, that doesn't satisfy me because I still remain imperfect. It's, it's wonderful that God is perfect and that is all dissolved. I have no, no, I have no resistance to that, I have no anger, I have no resentment, I have no complaint, fine. But still, I remain a needy person. Therefore, that God is to be known as my own self. Discovering that, 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 that wholeness is my own self. That alone shanti, complete silence of peace. That is freedom from all my suffering and conflicts can come when I know myself in that way. And so meditation that they talked about, that is a previous preparation, is for the mind to appreciate this truth about oneself. Shanti Muchade. This is how uh, Lord concludes in the last three verses what is going to be elaborated in the sixth chapter. So in the first twenty-six verses, Lord Krishna talked about sannyasa. So the, the name of this chapter is sannyasa yoga. Sannyasa renunciation is the subject matter of this fifth chapter. <coughs> okay, let us read the last uh, sentence here, which is not printed, so I repeat as I, as I chant. Om Tatsada, Om Tatsada, it is Srimad Bhagavad Gita, so it is Srimad Bhagavad Gita, so Upanishad, so Brahma Vidyayam, Yoga Shastra, Sri Krishna, Arjuna Samvade. Karma Sanyasa Yoga Nama Karma Sanyasa Yoga Nama
पंचमोध्याय इन दिस मैनर पंचमोध्याय द फिफ्थ चैप्टर कर्म संन्यास योग है वेरी सब्जेक्ट मैटर ऑफ द चैप्टर इज कर्म संन्यास विच वॉज टॉट बाय श्री कृष्ण अर्जुन संवाद इन द डायलॉग दट टू प्लेस बिटवीन श्री कृष्ण एंड अर्जुन विच डायलॉग इज नेचर ऑफ ब्रह्म विद्या The Lord Krishna imparted Brahma Vidya knowledge of Brahman. Yoga Shastra also the knowledge of means of attainment of that knowledge. This is called Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Srimata Bhagavata Gita, that which is sung by the revered Lord, Srimad Bhagavad Gita. Upanishadsu, and this Gita also is nothing but Upanishad because it presents an essence of Upanishads. In Bhagavad Gita, that is like this. Which where the subject matter primary subject matter is Brahma Vidya, where the supporting subject matter is the is Yoga Shastra, which is in the form of the dialogue between Sri Krishna and Arjuna, in this fifth discourse or the fifth chapter, which is called Karma Sanyasa, is thus completed. Sarva Dharman Parityajya. मेकम शरण व्रज अहंपेभ्य मोक्षयिष्याशु हरि ओं पूर्णम पूर्णमिद पूर्णमुच्यते पूर्ण से पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेवशिष्य शाति 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 शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव वादरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे भगवतुनपुनशरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम ओ शाति 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 हरि ओं श्रीगुरुभ्यो नम हरि ओम